Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi everybody, we're we're back to doing just audio. Uh, I of course am Bob of 25 years VTM and I'm accompanied by DJ. Hey everybody, this is DJ. Now this is a magical podcast. You're expecting this to be a continuation of Werewolf, the Apocalypse. And we will do that, just not this month. And that's because... A uh, very interesting book came across our sites here. DJ caught it when it dropped in the ST vault. And actually, DJ, one of our listeners threw it up to us, wasn't it? Right. No, that was correct. Lopsop Doy actually dropped it for us and tagged us. And we're like, wait a second. We've done Kindred of the East before. They know that we have a love for it. And I was like, must click, must click. We had to. And what it is, is not just any old book for Kindred of the East or Kwaijin, <coughs> as it was called in previous editions. This is the V5 update. So this is the... Vampire 5th Edition update called Hungry Ghosts. It's not titled Kindred or Kwaijin or Kindred of the East. It's, it's literally Hungry Ghosts, and they have a very, very cool reason for that. Um, at least I think so. It's very sound and very modern as to the polish they put onto it. Um, but what I want to do is give a moment to, well, let the let the good authors of the book kind of get their day in the sun here. We rarely do this, but I feel out of an ST Volt out of a book that we're kind of pulling out of the mire to check out and make sure we have it. Um, this book is based on White Wolf's Entertainment, a Vampire the Masquerade, of course, and that's the V5 supplement that it gets into. And uh, the writer and storyteller on it is uh, Kien Ingate. Editor is Vanessa Cheney. Errol Seymour is their assistant editor. You have Harvey Tarleton as their lead designer. You have Jacques the Joker, or Joke the Joker, or Jock the Joker, depending how you want to see it. It's all <laughs> ran into one as the illustrator. And a special thanks to Say Love Art and Pan KT for whatever they contributed to this book. Now, of course, they give all rights reserved to the people who deserve to have that. Those people, thank you, thumbs up. We know who you are. Uh, but we're going to get to this book. Um, I want to say this, though, before we get to it. Folks who I just mentioned that made this book out of a place of love were reviewers. Part of what we do is to get this book just like the fans, sit down, and let folks know what they are purchasing when they get it. You didn't know that this is going to happen for this, but I got to say, by now, people who've been keeping up and listening every now and again, we grab something. Mm-hmm. Especially if you think it's uh, put together well or looks good to see if it meets um, not just our caliber uh, as, you know, as the, as the company here, but also our caliber as well purchasers. And so we invested in you. So with that said, DJ, what do you think of the layout? of the book in and of itself. I mean, when I say, what do you think of the layout? I'm not talking, hey, does it look like they did a good job? That is part of what I'm saying. But what I'm really getting into is that when you get a book, in particular a V5 book, mm. one of the things we appreciate in Glamdown was the fact that the book seemed well put together. What? How do you think they did here? I have to say, I... <laughs> 
It's a uh, it's a little off putting at first, if only because I think one of the things, especially coming in from V five, is consistency is key for a lot of stuff, and so the layout is pretty consistent for what we anticipate from V five. But in this, they took a different path because of the different color palettes. Uh, there's something slightly reminiscent, and I think the only thing that kind of gives me more nostalgia than anything are are the illustrations and where they're placed. Everything else seems to be a little bit newer in how it's presented. It definitely does not have a V5 feel by comparison. I'm a dork, and I like the table of contents. I like a sense of organization that if I go to something and, like, today before I go to bed, I'm going to read Understanding Hungry Ghosts on page 12. And Govern on page 12, right underneath it, is the heading The Psyche and The Shadow. Both of those seem to be very relevant to Understanding Hungry Ghosts, and that's why they put it in the table of content. content. Mm-hmm. So when I go there, I want to know that that's where it's at. Because I like to pause when I read. Don't necessarily like a bookmarker. Um, it depends. When it's uh, when it's online in PDF form, of course I can bookmark it and come back to it later, just leave my laptop open, uh, which is usually what happens, although that may change with kids <laughs> and whatnot. But the point is, um, that's what I like is that sense. And I think they really do appreciate that. Probably because you had a whole team collaborating and it just made more sense to make it quick and easy. There's also a thought process here that someone's going to get this book and they're going to use it. They want to reference it as they're playing the game. Do you want to like flip through a bunch of nonsense and try to guess at what you have? And no, you don't. <laughs> you want to get to it time and again. So, um, Enough on that. I think I think they did do a good job. I, it is nostalgic. The artwork is choice. I'm going to state that. The artwork definitely made it feel that there was time invested and it made you feel some type of way. And I'm a big proponent of that. There's a lot of artwork on vampires. Not all of it is bad. Not all of it's great, though. And it's uh, <laughs> it's not a neutral statement. You just, you've seen one vampire, you've seen them all. Right, at least I feel. Once you get to the Fangs investment, and you're like, oh, it's uh, it's another vamp with 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 boobs, and it's uh, oh yeah, another hot chick that looks like she was out of Underworld. All right, we're great. Um, wow, there are like ten thousand female picks of vampires to like the five males that are out there, and I'm, and I'm exaggerating on both ends because there are right. a ton of guys who jumped up and got you know got all done up, but theatrically, the good ones almost hands down they're women. And, you know, for me, it could be, you know, I of the beholder. I myself find women more aesthetically pleasing, um, but I am a cisgendered male, as it's called. So that, that, that could be why. And uh, But at the same time, there are some guys who are androgynously dressed, they're very attractive, that do very well, and their efforts are noted. However, I don't look at vampires to be turned on. I want the fear effect. I want the haunting look. I enjoy the, the looks that uh, that are deceiving. Um, for instance, in this book, it's like one page where it shows a girl in a tub and she's nude and it's done tastefully, but it looks like she's dealing with something and you don't know what it could be. And I'm trying to figure out what it is, but she's a hungry ghost. That's the assumption because she's in this book and she could be struggling with anything. It could be hunger or fear. She could be remembering something. Her shadow was tormented and she just had a flashback while she's in the show. What is it that this girl is remembering? And you really want to know. And it's great that that artwork's in this book to elicit that fact because it helps out. Mm. And so you'll find that in here. But immediately uh, on another page close to that, you see the demon's eye that the artist throw up there. They just title it like the the eye of the, the devil or the demon eye or whatever. And it's a multifaceted eye of many different types in one that would terrify you to see 
for real. It terrified me to see it on a page, and I'm a horror film fan. I love that shit. And when I saw it, I was like, this is this is a group of people who kind of get that when you read a title called The Thousand Hells, I'm not looking to see anything but the most terrifying thing possible walking through that realm. And and it's there. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it um, for, the, for the layout and the intro. So that stuff's quality. But what we're going to do now is that we're kind of going to kick this in the teeth a little bit. And we're going to get going and just kind of go through the book at a pace that I hope is not too jarring. Um, for a lot of people, if you've heard of Kindred of the East, you know, you're, you're like, what's the V5 changes? Let's hurry up and get there. I would love to huh. do that, except for the fact that it's not that open and shut um, in right. this book. Because they're literally telling you what you know about Kindred of the East and in what you call Kwai Jin. you got to pump the brakes a little bit. DJ, why is that? The reason why is because I, the, I think what I like about this book as well is they tell you straight out the gate what the book is and it isn't, and what you should be anticipating. Which, to be honest, if they would have done something like this in V5 and women like, hold on, you're, you're walking to V5, this is what it is, isn't. Here it tells you, you don't need to have all the information regarding the older Kindred of the East books, whereas it is helpful. We're going to start a fresh page and you're going to jump in, and the information that you're going to read is open enough for interpretation that you'll be able to work with what's being given to you. Another reason why they're telling you that it's renamed Hungry Ghosts instead of Kui Jin is because it also wants to let you know that the focus previously before, even Kui Jin was a, a combination of a Japanese and Chinese word, but they want to let you know that Asia, is, Asia just isn't the Far East. Asia's a lot more and you could and there are other stories that have to deal with Hungry Ghosts, even going as far as like the Slavic areas as well. So they wanted to give you a lot more breathing room as the person reading the material and consuming it and especially for people who might have not had the opportunity to run the game originally because it might have seemed daunting, now they're kind of opening up the doors for you to, to go ahead and play with it. And what I'm going to say there, though, that's that's the that's the one part that right there immediately is a jump the shark moment when it starts mentioning Slavic hungry ghosts. Right, the couple times they mention it to where it's like it feels kind of like they, they reach too far. Mm. And that's because when you think of something like the Strigoi, like they, they mention it flat out that that's what they're called or you know, there was, a, I forget which culture it was that had a, uh, the bodies would get possessed. But said, no, it was India that they mentioned that just get possessed by whatever. And uh, that they can come back from the dead and wreak havoc. And I was like, well, it's well and good, but that doesn't really attach to what you're talking about. Because remember, they're identifying the fact that, all right, like you just said, Japanese, Chinese word, you just splice kind of two and through. It's not the same thing. We refer to them as hungry ghosts because that's what they are. Now, in the book, we'll refer to them as Kwaijin here and there because that's what you know them as, right? That's the nomenclature. That's an in-game mechanic of, like, that's the ignorance of the West. Somehow this got stuck with it. Nobody ever corrected you. But let us correct you here as, as the people made this book because you need to know. Don't say it in ignorance because that's just not... That doesn't make any sense at all. So here you go. And uh, they do have two words, though. One, which will make a lot of sense to you, if you remember first, Ed, they determined that the Kindred of the East were called Gaki. And apparently they did get that from somewhere, right? And <laughs> it's, it, it, is, it is a word that was used uh, to relate to these hungry ghosts as one of them. You know, because they said it's basically native languages that you got to pay attention to. And they give an example of the Chinese writing. And then they talk about uh, Preta for Japanese and Chinese with the former calling them Gaki is exactly what they say. And the latter, Ergui. Or Guai, if that's how it's pronounced. But mm -hmm. the point is, this is literally nuance. 
for a lot of you, I could care less. So they're, they're called a certain way and you should know the right thing and whatever. But this is the point that we have to make. You're not going to enjoy this book if you don't understand there's a certain culture that goes into it. And there's a certain type of way the culture wants you to at least understand the material. Do with it what you want, but understand how it is as presented. So you know what you try at first, see if you like it, and then make the nuanced changes that fit for you. And that, I think, is a fair critique. That's that's the effort here. This is not saying you're wrong, Westerner. It's saying here's where we would correct it. And that is because it gives you a better feel. In particular, when you look at Kwaijin aren't vampires. They're hungry goats. That's literally what they are. And they point this out in a lot of ways. You know, they, they tell you, um, actually, that, let me just tell you, they, they, they tell you flat out mm-hmm. that that's the deal, that a hungry ghost is not some vampire. That's it. It's at the end of the day, you want it to be. You really were told mm-hmm. that's what it kind of is. You know, they're just the, they're the Eastern kindred. No, they're not. Um, but DJ, why aren't they? Let me be fair here. Let me keep you included here. There's, there's a ton I can go into on it. But why? What is a hungry ghost? A hungry ghost is actually closer towards uh, the hungry ghost is actually closer towards a wraith, given a flesh yet once again. Um, even more so than that, this book is probably the first book to at least in the V five setting to introduce concepts that are we've seen in Wraith the Oblivion. We have the psyche. We have the shadow. This is something that a vampire normally doesn't have to deal with because it just has its inherent beast. But there's a fundamental thing about having to deal with the dead. It's a fundamental thing about what happens on both sides of the coins that doesn't get dealt with, and even on a Giovanni level or Hakata level, as they say, um, that isn't presented over on the, the Western side of things. And it staples down that it's dead people coming back, having gone to hell and having clawed their way out. And this is fundamentally different than that which is a vampire. Well, I mean, I think that's jumping ahead of the gun, right? Right there, mm-hmm. too. Because, I mean, you're generalizing, like, basically, you're almost saying read the book. If, if, if that sounds great, read the book. You know what I mean? I'm going to help you kind of focus on here. Because when it says, are hungry ghosts or vampires, I have a whole question, Q&A there, that they kind of go through there. What I'm hammering home is, they try to say that there are similarities between what a vampire does and what a hungry ghost does. But there are also many differences. And it's like you're trying to have your cake and eat it, too. We don't want to lose you because you're vampire fans, but at the same time, they're, they're different. And, and, and a lot of the things you just said, what you said was not incorrect, but you're going to lose people and not right. explaining that, right? And that's what I'm getting at. So what we're going to drive home here is that a vampire is what exactly? When you have to look at it, what's, what's a vampire at its basis? A blood drinker. It's an undead creature. Right? It's a body that for some reason, a curse, what have you, through powers of cursed blood, is able to come back and stay coming back no matter what. They come back from the dead to live forever drinking blood. Now, you may think, were we splitting hairs here? And what I'm going to tell you is, I think all of this, like, because if we're going to look at this and say a vampire is the same as a hungry ghost, then so is a zombie. Because they're all undead. Mm. Right, they're all not dead, and they all need sustenance. Right, zombie eats brains, or all flesh must be eaten, depending on how you are. Um, even a werewolf was supposed to eat the hearts and flesh of the people it went after. So, but 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 a werewolf at least is not undead, but it is cursed, and it's almost in the same wheelhouse. Um, we have the hungry ghosts, which apparently are entities that have died, and they are because of where they died, they're on the territory of one of the thousand hells. 
And this allows a Yama King, which we'll just simply call a Devil King of that particular hell, to reach out and sever the psyche in the shadow and torment the shadow. And that's supposed to do something. But to understand that and why is, is, is a little bit important here for a second. We'll let DJ chop on that first. But in that process of that severing, you're not allowed to continue on with your existence because your shadow's going to be tormented 80 ways from Sunday. Your psyche is forced to watch. So you are forced to watch this other part of you tormented in this hell. All sorts of ways. However, at some point, through means unknown, whether you escaped, whether it threw you out, whatever the issue is, you served your penance, suddenly you find yourself back in your body. Oh, but here's the catch. Now that psyche that's in that body is inhabited by that shadow who's insane from all the torment, and it gets slammed into you. And what happens? You run around like a raving lunatic, um, believing you're probably in a hell still, reacting accordingly, and you have to eat human flesh because that's the sustenance they need. At yum, least yum. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're insane. But what, what do they call this in the old Kindred of the East book? Because it's still the second breath. But what was the name of that Chrysalis, that first entity that you were? Oh, man. It escapes me. I would definitely tell you that it escapes me right now. Uh, it escaped me, too, because the name was like, okay, interesting, but I, I could care less. Right. right. That's what it was like. It's like, but I do know the state that you're in and this this horrible condition. Now, the authors are probably like, oh, man, come on, guys. We gave it to you. We, we told you what it is here. It's not about what they have here. It's right. about what it was called before. Mm-hmm. Because when it was what it was called before would have a relevance, but it wasn't you know clearly explained. It was like, I don't know if you recall this. It's basically you. we don't know why you're made or how you're made. It's just one day you find yourself wandering around, eating everything terribly. And then before you know it, the others catch you. They calm you down. And here we are. And that was like, I don't know. That didn't describe the process well enough to me. You know, it didn't make sense. Also, what is that state that you're in? Well, here they call him a ravenous devil. This is true. That pretty much fits the description. Right? Because Or you're on bath salts. <laughs> right? It's one of the two. Either you're on bath salts or you're a ravenous devil. And that ravenous devil is something that will calm down. It's supposed to once it gets what it needs. Once it stops hurting. Or realize it's not being attacked and all that fun stuff. So that's the deal. And that's pretty cool. You know, that larval stage is done. And this is sort of like the whole ranking system that they have going on uh, with the with the Hungry Ghosts, and that's ahead of the curve again. I'm sorry. So what we're going to say is, if a vampire is someone that comes back, comes back to life and they get to gently suck blood, you know, that pleasurable existence, and gently, probably not your first feeding, but eventually you get your stick down, and it's a very pleasurable experience for you and your lover. It's very sensual, all that stuff. You ain't going to find that with the hungry ghost, at least not until much later. Right. Uh, initially, it is very visceral. It's how it goes. Because to me, they're closer to being demons. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. I thought they're just ghosts. Well, I don't know what you think it means when you went to a hell, and in that hell, you went in front of the judgment of one of the Lord rulers there that is a devil, and that devil decides to make you a minion. How are you not a demon? Now, I'll tell you how. It's a Western perception of it, I suppose. 
But this book does not even look at it that way. It doesn't even attempt to. It says that their society is more refined. Like, you know, you, you suffered. In other words, let's consider the celestial hierarchy for a moment. They do a big thing to tell you about the fact that there is a um, certain way to be. Right? The world, the land was always whole. And it comes in cycles. And you have to understand that cycle to get the idea of why this game is even here. Um, DJ, you want to take a chomp at that? Right. The cycles, well, there was the Wheel of Ages. Um, and it. we've seen this before regarding like the old kindred of the East, but the ones that are the most important. Well, we'll go through them very quickly, but the, we'll go through the ones we're currently at. The first one was the first age, which is the Age of Heaven. In this age, all spirits were aligned. This is like the beginning of the world or even the beginning of the universe, so to speak. Then there was the Age of Beauty, which is defined by the formation of physical reality. Spirits already have created themselves um, and now you have varying levels of power. They start creating their own different types of hierarchy. So now they start recognizing where they are in the grander scheme of things. Then there's the Age of Legends, whereas now you start getting the mythic creatures actually coming into existence. Your gods, your immortals, your heroes. Um, then came the Age of Beautiful Sadness, which is the fourth age, which is when we started recognizing that the Yama Kings had originally served a purpose and they had failed that purpose. Now we have heroes that are coming up to take down these evil Yama King or quote-unquote evil Yama King. Uh, but during that period in time, we start seeing humanity starts entering, people start kind of waning, and then we started entering into the Age of Darkness, which is our fifth age. And so hang on a second. So hang on a second. So all these ages are describing time periods. Right. Right? These are periods of time. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Right? So what wasn't explained before is that there was just these ages, and where you knew they were a cycle, and you knew they repeated, you didn't really know what time period it was ascribed to it at all. And they make an attempt to place that here. To let you know and that's that's the interesting part about this book the most interesting part i'd say uh because they mentioned that this the cycle all starts with the august personage this is the god figure if you will mm -hmm. the one who determines the celestial order being a beautiful thing and just just ignore the fact that it's celestial order and all that other stuff but it, it's a ruler of order justice and things that should be right it's the light of things if you will now let's understand this if that person's at the top of the things, what was it like when they when it first began? Well, flat out, it tells you that's called the Age of Heaven. Seems to make sense, right? Uh. All spirits are aligned with the celestial order. All are as one. Ideas such as jealousy or even the concept of a self are not yet present. There is no physical reality as we know it. That seems to be the age of a godlike being. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. It's just sort of the world, the existence is what I choose. And I'm the only one here, and nothing nothing is bad. All right. Well, then there's the Age of Beauty, and that's the second age. That's when stuff starts forming into a physical reality. And so it goes on, right? So it's basically trying to describe, if you want, you could say that the Age of Heaven's the Big Bang. And the Age of Beauty is when, you know, all that energy started creating the universe and the cosmos for you physicists out there. But then the Age of Legends are when we started actually reporting culture. Right, because the Age of Legends, when they said mythic proportions, this is the third the third age happens, where gods and mortals and other fantastical creatures walk alongside their mortal subjects. Or, or there's a lot of stuff that wasn't explained, and rather than figure that out, we started describing, because we were able to write down and have culture and whatever at this point, a whole bunch of nonsense that we're saying went on. Who knows is what it goes into. There's There's a plus and a minus that you can look at it here. But you have to leave that at the door. You literally can't take that mindset going through these ages for this game. 
Because they're more or less saying, if you ascribe to this game and you're a hungry ghost and you believe in the Wheel of Ages and you're the players for it and you're the ST, this literally happened. Now, why we say that is because, well, you have Yama Kings and a Thousand Hells that just I was about to say. <laughs> how do you not, right? how do you argue that? It's like, hey, so this kind of happened and this happened, this happened. Well, how do you know it's real? I, I've seen it. I've done scenes it with my eyes. I've, I've seen what hell looks like. I know what they've been through. But here's the whole problem, right? And it's been the problem with the Kindred of the East line and Kwaijin and, well, Hungry Ghosts now. And it always mm-hmm. will be the problem. Explain Christianity and Islam. Throw that up there now. Where does it fit in? If there is no God but God, and there and this is God the August personage reinterpreted for a different culture in a different time. Well, that doesn't really make sense, does it? Because when you get down to the thousand hells and the fact that this cycle has an end, and the demon emperor will take over, and it'll begin anew after they destroy all existence. And then the August personage will take over again because the demon emperor will kill himself in the end and, and it begins all over again. And I don't know if, I don't know if you're you, or I don't know if you're, <laughs> if you're me, you sit there saying, well, this seems like a very interesting interpretation of the yin and yang. If everything is cyclical, right? Yin energies and yang energies and that, that very symbol, that's exactly what this is describing. That everything according to the yin and yang, this great balance. Is it possible? That when you look at a balance like this, it goes back even further, right? Ancient Persia had a balance as well. And they thought, you know, Zoroastrianism is your first introduction in religion for light and dark. We've already pointed this out. You know, for the upper and lower, you know, the sun, moon, you know, existence and the spiritual. um, That all comes from there. But where did this come from? Well, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But the point is, this is their belief. And in the world of darkness, they have their own little neck of the woods where this happens. So even if you're like, nah, I don't believe in it, unfortunately for you, yeah, you got to make room for it. And that's where most of the fans have to kind of take this with a, with a grain of salt. It's your medicine. Because you have to suspend it. Because if you're me, you're a diehard vampire fan. Now I'm reading Hungry Ghosts going, why do I even have Hungry Ghosts? This feels mm-hmm. like Wraith the Oblivion, the special edition. And let's put that over there. But that's not a fault of the people writing the book. Right? They're saying how it is. Not what it might be. Now, why that difference is, if we go back to what they are, they're ghosts who get back in their body, and they're basically arisen. And they even have a smart section there where they go, yeah, we basically are risen. That that's what's happened is a very similar process, except unlike arisen, you don't need a conduit to sustain yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Arisen makes a deal with their shadow, if you know Wraith. There is, I should explain that. What this book points out to you is exactly what is pointed out for wraiths as well. When a person dies, they are known as a wraith. If they stick around. <clears throat> That's the key thing. They have to stick around. Mm. When you die, you have a predisposition to move on. To cease to be, to go to the land that you're supposed to go after this one, wherever that is. However, if you have a strong enough emotion to stick around because things were left undone and there's loose ends, you become a wraith. That's your will to stick around to see it through. However, oblivion instantly awakens that dark side of you. That's called a shadow. It pulls all those bad emotions and negativity that's in you to the fore, and it makes that shadow a minion. It has one job. That's to get you to fail. It wants you to fail in whatever business you had left behind because you didn't do what oblivion demands you do. 
and if oblivion is entropy, and indeed it is, you are to end. You are to cease. And it's a very terrible thing, oblivion, when it manifests and it has to come get you. Right? It's better you take your death and move on than it is you stick around because you forgot to give Mima her final hug. Because mm-hmm. what's coming for you isn't a good thing. And you're constantly at war with this internal shadow. And that's Wraith the Oblivion. But remember what happens to a hungry ghost. If that poor soul happened to have died in, let's say, Chinatown, and it's uh, in San Francisco, you didn't know this. You don't need to. The influence of a Yama King controls this area. Its demons patrol this area. And when you died there, they find you, they shackle you, and they drag your spirit all the way back to where the Yama King's domain is proper through the spirit world. And there, they'll hold court, and they'll decide your fate. You may not even get to come back as a hungry ghost. You just spend all eternity watching yourself get tortured. Because remember, they rip your psyche from your shadow. Your shadow in their court rats on you. Every shadow does this. They say that flat out. The Rat shadow passing. just rats on you top down. You Every little thing you did and thought you hid just gives up the goods. Why? Your shadow's thinking to itself, screw you, buddy. We shouldn't exist anyway. You're done. What the shadow doesn't know is that the Yama King wasn't always the Yama King. There was an order where they're supposed to. They have to by celestial demand. Because there mm-hmm. was like nine of them, I believe, in the beginning. Right. No. Uh, that were that were chosen to do specific duties for the dead. Well, not just the dead, all of mankind. Their way of being and whatever they did in their purpose, they're supposed to caretake for the rest of existence. And something interesting happened. They realized pain and anguish is a addictive essence. And it's the, that's the simple, fast solution. They say it way better in a book, but basically, it's, it's an addictive thing to understand that a human being's torment is rather delicious. Nobody suffers like man. And because of that, well, you drink from a different well, right? All this wholesome eating, this dieting's great, but apparently human suffering is like McDonald's. You know, that's what it is. It's like getting a quick snack and a man is good. chicken nuggies. <laughs> Who doesn't like jalapeno fries and nonsense? I'm sure we were eating salad and doing the right thing, but it's just a little bit. No big deal. And, and suddenly, before you know it, they're going way over. They overdose is what it is. And they know that when the emperor finds out, or the the, the guy on top, so we'll do it, um, well, it's going to destroy them. They know it's going to destroy them because that's what they would do. They didn't even give it a chance to see what would happen. For all they know, the guy at top, the Celestial Order, is going to be like, oh, we're aware of this. You know, they have no idea that that might have happened. They don't even think it could because they're so negative. They're so ruled. You are what you eat. And they're so ruled by what inevitably is going to happen. They steal their realms. They steal their realms and leave them right where they're at. That's why they're over in what would be called the, uh, the East, right? They're there because that's where they were in the beginning. Now, folks, remember the cradle of civilization. We all came marching out of, like, the the, the Persian area or ancient Persia. That was what was referred to as the Great Cradle for a long time. And we were all over there. So when people fanned out, they fanned out from there. That's... You just got to keep that in mind. Because if you look at that historically, that means that, according to them, these people were chosen pre that time. And so, when they stole their realms and just kind of said, well, here's our realms and here's where we exist, it's now separate from the celestial hierarchy, which is the rest of existence. We're safe. Now, I find it funny 
Because if you're like the Celestial Emperor, nothing is safe from you. Like, like nothing is safe from you. Which would naturally mean you have a place. Like, by design, were they not meant to do exactly what they did? Right. That's my question. Now, I'm not off the rails... Because no. because when I looked at that DJ, I'm sitting here going, mm-hmm. all right, so these, these nine realms, here they are. They become these corrupt Yama kings. But why is it important? Because they still have to pass judgment on people. Mm-hmm. It's just Isn't a lot more weird? perverted. I mean, you're not wrong. It's kind of like... <laughs> it's kind of like you're that cop who got into the academy and you were fit. But then, like, a couple of burgers later, you are what you are. It doesn't stop the fact that you're caught, but then changes the way that you operate. And so in that fashion, you're, it's exactly as you said. They have to judge. All right, you get the stamp. You don't get the stamp. Time to send you up. But then as he goes along, this guy is just heaving and going like, name, nope, this is a bad one. Stamp, 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 stamp. Aren't you going to send up? Not done with it yet. Stamp, 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 stamp. And the Yama <laughs> King still believes they're doing their celestial duty albeit it is a very perverse way of, of uh, performing that duty. And whatever that duty is, it's something with the energy, is what is the inference that they got. That mm-hmm. their sole job was to somehow derive the energies that you... It's like human beings go out and they live their existence, and they're dredging up these energies, this yin and yang energy. And then when they die, they are judged accordingly. And those energies are, are payment. You, sh- you kind of pay for where you're going, is what I felt. Like you're shuffled off there, that energy is redistributed, or whatever it is. I don't know what the purpose is, and they don't want you to go too far into it because you'll unravel it, right? But we're in the weeds, <laughs> admittedly. But I said all that to let you know that they still have to judge the people who die on their land for some reason. And after they're done judging them, that's why they torment is because they prefer to find everything bad to torment people because that's where the good stuff comes from. And then so on. So they don't let everybody become a hungry ghost. In fact, they point out an event has to occur to allow you to escape because these people want to house you and keep you trapped where they're God and that's in their domain where they could torture you for all eternity and just keep drinking in the essence now I know what you're thinking if this isn't bad if, if it's just my shadow my shadow's an asshole and it's being tormented and I'm, and I'm the psyche well then what's the psyche if the shadow's everything bad the psyche must be me and my morals and everything else and it is but understand that you don't have the ability to think like a shithead without your shadow right. that's exactly. removed from you so it's a dual torture you're watching and feeling nothing but sorrow and shame and regret <sighs> things that you can't brace for that you can't get immune to that you can't harden to watch because you're watching yourself get tortured and it's your own hand that caused it that's gotta suck and that's and that's what it is and so it's a brilliant torture by design and that's and that's why it's there so that's that's the end of it but then how do you become a hungry ghost it's real simple a natural occurrence like a disaster has to happen to cause an effect to happen in the in the realms. So what does that mean? A gigantic earthquake has to hit that, that really shakes things up that will cause what's called a scar. A sudden dramatic change to the earth will rent a terrible hole in the spiritual world. And in those moments, anybody who's being tormented or in that existence, they might be able to get out through that scar. Mm. Be they quick enough, swift enough, or strong enough, or enough will, they may find themselves escaping. And trust me, their shadow might make a quick deal. Right? And by deal, it's not like it's saying, hey, you and me, we're leaving. That it's running and you're following it. And it's probably because you have to. That's part of you. Now, or maybe you don't, and your shadow just took off. And your shadow just makes it out. 
and your psyche is pulled to it. And that's the part that I find that's most interesting. The, the aspects of it. It mentions in the book that when you're first awakening, who knows what came first, chicken or the egg? Now they point out that ideally, you're, you're the one in charge, right? Your shadow is in there, but you're the one who won out over your shadow. And that's when you kind of wake up. But you've spent all this time as this ravenous devil, mm-hmm. right? Just sort of feeding that shadow and getting it calm. And then suddenly you're you. And your psyche's in charge, but you're aware of what goes on. Now, what sucks is you're still not loose to, to, to be yourself and do whatever you got to do. Because one of the only ways you can come out of it is if a more experienced, hungry ghost comes along. And they take you in. And that's that's really their job. They have these courts set up to keep eyes out for people like you. Or, or woos, as they're called, that serve the courts. And uh, these people look out for you. When you appear, they definitely know it hits the news in their area. And they come looking. And they know what it could represent. And they need to, they need to see how you're going to be. And they need to, they need to teach and train you. That's what it comes down to. That is the points I'm kind of getting at with this book. Is that they give you a scholastic approach to what we understood Kindred of the East is. And we're not going to, like, obviously, we're not going to get super, super, super detailed. That's, uh, read it. It doesn't take that long. It's like 100 pages. Uh, but the point is, is that the detail they give is enough for you to have a game. And so there's enough background there for you to get it, in particular, if you're familiar with the material before. But is it V5 worthy? Well, what I'm going to say is it's digestible in terms of plot and story of them telling you what's going on up until we're talking about V5. Now, hmm. what are you saying? Rules-wise, it's fine. Right, I'm going to say the rules are for V5 as V5 is. Those mechanics are almost lockstep, easy to figure out and go with. And a lot right. of them they take and pull right across over into the book. You can figure it out. But if you were a fan of this material and you didn't want to do it, this this book is still for you. Uh, I'm not saying the book is bad for it, but what I am saying is great revelations and changes to what the material might have been. I didn't see them. Did you? No, it kind of... It does what V5 did in, like, in the beginning, which is it, it pulls the rug out from underneath you because it has to find a way to tell a story of what happens now. And it almost feels very, very abrupt. Right, so like, they did the same thing that V five did, which is well, where the have all the elders gone? If all the like, what I put down in my notes, like, where have all the cowboys gone? Right, that yep. song's gonna get stuck in my head. But it's like, all right, so you have the elders in V five who were called into the Middle East at some point or another, or whatever the beckoning is. In this case, they rewind the story just far back enough to go like, all right, we saw the Red Star, we took care of uh, of the Ravnos Antediluvian, but uh, they're gone. What do you mean they're gone? Where have all our our ancestors gone? The folks that should be still here leading us, where have all the courts gone? Well, they they kind of said to themselves, well, some people believe they, they left this realm to go fight the bigger war. And that's the reason why the Sixth Age hasn't come. So fear not, youngins. We're off over here fighting the good fight, but but we have no one to teach us. And it almost feels like it's the bot back to the... Well, we have no one to teach us. No, 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 it's all right. You guys could teach yourselves because this is what the whole purpose is. And what makes it weirder and, and kind of like breaks it down a little bit is one of the more interesting parts about, and I guess this is me feeling that other edge of the coin. What was interesting was in the, in the previous version, you had courts because there were so many Quajin, there were so many hungry ghosts and they had their whole system. But now with all the elders gone, those courts have diminished. Vampires are now prevalent in the East and there's like less than 20% of the kindred of the East or hungry ghost populations. So where do you start? 
it almost feels like they just were like, all right, well, let's take the gourd and pull it out. Well, where do you start? And that's the freedom. That's the freedom they want to give. Because along V5, then you could be, you know, the youth is where they want to return it to. Mm-hmm. Um, new stories, new room. The beckoning pulled all sorts of stuff away. It's my same problem I have with the beckoning. You took a bunch of quality stuff that fans were with and flushed it and said, hey, we may pull it back later. We may not. We heard straight from Martin Erickson what the strategy was, right? And it still is. It's it's They haven't thought of it. They had an idea of what it might be, but they don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on it. And they're kind of waiting around for the best idea to do that, if they ever choose to do it, if they might do it, if they could. So in other words, we're going to wait till we really feel that we got a, got a really good reason to have done that. And to me, that doesn't sit right. Don't You shouldn't have done it until you knew what you were doing with it. Right? That's what that comes down to. Like, don't don't sit there and piss in my ear and tell me it's raining. Because that's what that is. It's the beckoning for no reason. And that's and that's that. That's always been a problem with V5. Here, this straight pissed me off. It's the fact that suddenly you couldn't... Here you have authors who could write exactly why they all started dis- disappearing. And, and any number of reasons, man. They could have said the Yama Kings, uh, they, they got tired of waiting. Right? The Yama Kings, you, you escaped their hell. Jack, that's what a hungry ghost did. You escaped them. That It's time to pay the fiddler. And, the, and when they know where you're at, yes. They even describe the fact that those realms are getting closer and closer uh, to, to the realm of the dead. Uh-huh. And you can see them. It even describes how the Yama Kings were nefarious. They weren't happy with just their realm. And they started attacking the Jade, uh, the, the Jade Empire or whatever it is for the, right. for Wraith the Oblivion, their world. And they started, uh, sneaking through it to get more victims. Well, okay, if you can get behind that, why would it be a far-fetched to say, oh no, they're straight being kidnapped? They're a whole, like, it doesn't matter how powerful you are. Here's the thing. If you were made, if, if you were made from a being that reached down and split you in two and tortured one half, and then you were able to come back and call yourself a hungry ghost and you've been running the whole time, that's, that's a ticking, it's, that's the Damocles sword above your head. I don't care what level of enlightenment you reach, that Yama King should still be able to pull your card. Don't get caught slipping, is what the uh-huh. name of the game should be. And that's where it is. And they have a real chance to say that. You have a real chance to say these elders, because they got comfortable and they made these levels of enlightenment, they convinced themselves that they were beyond the the physical and, and the aspect, you know, I walk against the wind and I exist in the spiritual and the physical. I'm this super being. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm a yummy king. You look yummy. Remember, it's the brightest star that snuffs out the fastest. Yoink. And you're taken. Gone. Where are you? In hell. That alone is a powerful statement and it erupts into a war. Now it makes sense that there are so few of us in the world because, man, these, they left They left us to simmer. We're the tastiest. We thought we escaped. It wasn't an escape. Right? We allowed you to leave, said the Yami Kings. And whether you believe that deceit or not, we do know we're invested to bring you back. Because when we get all of you, when the last of you, when the original of you that escaped are officially back, and all that energy you've stolen and, and, and taken in essence, that's still in you. And we know how to cultivate it. We just need to torture it back out of you. <laughs> and once we do, we can kickstart the sixth age. And then you're sitting, then I would sit here and go, that makes sense. Hello, hungry ghosts. Let's do that game. Uh-huh. But because it's just, 
poof. And we all sat around in our great wisdom and decided to say, hey, let's read the tea leaves. And we read the tea leaves. And the, the awakened elder comes back and says, you know, you're your own teachers now. <laughs> you're left to be your own teachers because you're good enough to teach yourself. And that's why they have left you. And isn't that wisdom? Isn't that a great gift? Ah, yes, we see the truth of it. Not I, said the little toad Bobby. Not I. I say, this is a weak excuse. Now, especially when you consider, I mean, I'm just going to read this excerpt so you can hear how it reads. Like, I really, I'm really not big and bashing something, but even how it reads. It says, the great departure, when the red star, we all know that event, mm-hmm. otherwise known as the demon emperor's eye, shun, hungry ghosts across the universe begin to see other signs that the sixth age would soon arrive. In India, it was reported that an ancient bloodthirsty vampire arose and required three awakened elders to subjugate it. Awakened elders are believed as they're near antediluvian. These are Methuselahs. Right. uh, By the equivalent. uh, To subjugate it. Devil tigers prepared to face a horde of demons. Okay. Devil tigers is a group of, uh, is a school of them that planned on, okay, to fight these horde of demons. All right. The most significant sign occurred in 2004. So we're not talking about the subjugation or the fallout of that or the circumstances mm-hmm. that could have happened before that. We're just saying this happened. Then it jumps to 2004 when courts around the world witnessed a bright flash. What was the bright flash? Was that anything or why or who? But when the survivors awakened, they discovered a myriad of changes and complete decimation of their numbers. Entire courts had evaporated, leaving nothing but cinders behind that's what they give you. Just just there's a flash of light. And that's, that's all that's needed. Now, you may say to yourself, that shouldn't be a, a needle stopper. It's a great way to start a game where you don't have to explain it any more than you explain the beckoning. Fair dinkum. You got me. You don't need to ask for more than that. Have fun playing your game. Um, I, for one, do need more. I would have to write more. I would have to create more. And any book that I get that's supposed to answer questions to update it, and I find myself having to make more just to justify playing in it because it's not it's not fun. Otherwise, like I want to play in your imagination and it feels like you gave me half-ass work. That's what it is. Now, I'm not faulting them because you learned your stick from the beckoning. Right. It was the same deal. Using the same method on repeat. Didn't work then and work for me now. That's just my opinion. Um, I don't know, DJ. How do you how do you feel about those? Is it the same, or do you feel like oh, no, I, I feel I, I feel the same. I feel they played it safe by doing that, and I think it's just the the wider audience. I your story makes a lot more sense, and to be honest with it, that would you know even even on a whim because I know like you're your master storyteller. Even thinking about that would kickstart the sixth age, right? progresses the story forward at least it has an end goal of this is you know kind of like the first even first edition world of the apocalypse even world of the apocalypse in general you fight because you know the apocalypse is at hand and in this case knowing that the sixth age is at hand yes there was the the story that's conveniently told but it also would have been nice to hear the actual story you know like it sh- there should have been excerpt. actually what ended up happening is everyone knows that the yama kings as you were mentioning are coming back and it, even here it even gives you a of Methuselah, or rather an Antiluvian, took three awakened elders. Imagine how much it takes out to a, a Yama King, if at all, even if it, that, such a thing could happen. So, what are we going to do about it? And that would have been a little bit more compelling, and that would have given me a little bit more of a kickstart, because now, 
I'm left in the same fashion you are going like, okay, now I got to think of a way to justify what I'm doing. And especially that there's no courts behind half the, half the game was the intrigue of the courts, right? Half the game was pretty much knowing that these vampire, that these, you know, these hungry ghosts in their own perspective needed to fight their own cold wars because resources are resources. And as human or as, as enlightened as they might seem, they're bastards, right? This is a good way of being able to present what face you do or don't present and whether or not you actually reach that enlightenment. Now you can't put that into perspective because there's no one left to fight. It's, it's like Lord of the Flies. It's everyone's just left to their own devices going, okay, well, I guess we're supposed to get better at something. Are we ever going to rebuild our numbers? Are we just dealing like caitiff? What are we doing? And that was like the first like knee jerk I had to it. And it, it just it just put a shock to it, right? Then you have the Scarlet Screen, which is their version of the Masquerade, which fine, we'll just mm-hmm. leave that where it is, because um, they come up with rules that they got to follow, and that's fine. And mm-hmm. they got they got some modernized rules, I suppose, that go with it, and it's it's what they got to do now. What we're going to say is that Hungry Ghost is basically a very well structured, and I'm going to state this. Here's the that was the, that was the one negative was that update hmm. that I didn't feel was a, a solid V5 update. It just is an update. Um, however, look at the rest of it. When, yes. you, when you jump past that, and you get to looking at the fact that okay, well, here's the construction of what they have now and what they intended. What they intended was for you to play a woo uh, or or your own court starting wherever yeah, it click. is that you decide uh-huh. to have it, where it's survival. You are not the majority taking over the Anarch territories anymore. You're the one trying to survive your allies, hoping the memory of how badass you were is enough to make them pause. And you could be out there. In other words, it's possible for a hungry ghost to be playing in a V5 Anarch game. Mm. Or a Camarilla game along a Coterie with that because you have a woo, but you have the Scarlet Screen, which could be included to say, hey, I have to masquerade that what I am, even from you. And get you know from from the rest of the gang to get that going, and I think that's why they did that. At least that's what I'm going to say they did it for because it's it's a brilliant tie-in because it's saying don't worry about the nonsense of trying to fit into a court that you barely understand, because they admit that by you accepting Kui Jin means that the nuance of cultural differences you're gonna it's gonna pass you by. The majority of people want to play an easy game. English is the common denominator that everybody right, understands now. Right, right, right. So we'll keep that there. And from that, let's have a base to jump off from. So what we're saying is that's the base, is that you can do this virtually court system wherever you want to have it go. And here's how it's structured. But then they establish the tradition it comes from, that we have a hierarchy based on elders, based on mutual respect, That's uh, that is very non-forgiving initially. Mm. It is a system of you, you, you're not going to play a maverick. You're not going to come in here and be an outcast and screw it up for everybody. They'll just kill you. That's this <laughs> game. This, this game is about you coming in and accepting that there are mentors that you work with and students that you'll compete with in an attempt to find your place and, and enlightenment in philosophy and moving up, though you're a bad person. And I have to stress that you are not the good guy in this story. Your life was over, and you went to hell, and you escaped hell. They're saying, what do you do with that now? You escaped and came out. What sort of existence in life do you find from that truth, and what do you become of it? Well, that depends on what school of philosophy you belong to, right? What dharma, as they refer to it, do you choose to walk now? Right. And there are several to choose from, and they even have a couple new ones in there I saw, and it was reading in there for you for those who are curious. 
Now, why I enjoy that is because this is literally, if you're a fan of, of Eastern movies and um, martial arts and um, cool stories and philosophies and you like Sun Tzu, The Art of War, and, and maybe you fancy yourself a, a student of a sword, you know, and you're into that sort of thing and you've done a tea ceremony, this is your jam. This is something where you meet the world of darkness at and you can go, cool, I can get behind these guys. And their pacing seems to be sweet. Because if you're a student in a mentor system, I don't need to buy mentors as the background. Right. Right. I already have a built-in whole court that's guiding me through it. And by the way, how intricate is that court? Well, imagine a group of teachers that know this ravenous devil's moving around doing whatever. And they, they send out the woo that is in place to capture you to bring you back to court. And they bring you back. You're still ravenous. We have to feed you and nurture and care for you. And so they have some sort of figure that they call the Iron Mother. I'm just making that up off the top of my head. But he is called the Iron Mother. And he simply grabs you and pulls you to his warehouse that everybody takes care of. And here are where the people that get selected by the court, everybody who couldn't pay their debts in the neighborhoods that they govern, everybody who fancies himself a bad guy, you know, the corrupt cop, the guy who did what he shouldn't do, um, the, the people who are morally bankrupt or the Westerner that came in and decided he was going to rape some girl and that he could leave because, you know, his daddy has money. These are the people that the Iron Mother feeds to a ravenous devil because this is the fate that they're going to suffer. They know also, and why they're bastards about this, that if that ravenous devil kills that person, that puts the essence, the demonic taint of that Yama King. So where do you think their victims are going? Back to they're the Yama King. To be judged by that Yama King. Is it possible that that person's an innocent judged by the Yama King and let go? Yes, very much so. If you're a fan of the Thousand Hells book um, that they that they released for this for the system in the first edition uh-huh. of it, uh, the non-V5 version, right. you would enjoy the fact that they actually get into some of that. That there are beings so pure that when they die and they end up in that hell, the devils let them go. You're not supposed to be here. And that's because they have a profound sense of karmic duty. Right. They understand the balance. So they're here to only hurt those who are supposed to be here. That's their point. They really love their job, by the way. So that's what (laughs) makes it cool to me, is that there's an order. There is a black and white. There is a yin to yang, and there's a balance. Be you a balanced individual, well, you're harmonious, and you shouldn't be here anyway. Please continue on. Be you too much of a good person, oh, that might be hubris. You might be staying a while. You might have lived an arrogant life. Uh, We're not saying we get to do the full shebang, but uh, this is the castle of woe, and you do have the suite this evening, or until the sixth age, (laughs) right? It was we put you in there to do whatever it is. Who knows? But a balanced person is what you want. And that's what we're talking about. That's how this gets cool, right? Because the intricacy is, well, the court's taking care of you as a ravenous devil. Now the mentors are going to see how you eat, or what you eat, or however it is that's coming along. And when you come to, were they crying? Were they regretful? Were they stoic? How did they handle themselves? And the court is kibitzing about that. Like, what's, you know, that's, sorry. The court's talking about that back and forth to figure out where you place. Right. That's cool. That's intrigue. Because they want a new pupil. Because they're here to do that. The elders of the Hungry Ghosts are aware. We are here to teach. We are here to teach those about their condition to decide to look forward to their future as to what they wish to become and what they wish to become is awakened 
Right? Or no, not awaken. What is the term? It's uh, the antediluvian level. The no... No returners. Thank you. No returners. In this, yeah. The no returners is an interesting thing. It kind of throws me off every time I even think about it because I'm a big... I'm, I'm a person who's big on the name should match what's going on. No right. returners means they're not going back. However, when you hit this state, you are in the spiritual world. In fact, nobody can seek you except the awakened ones. And they can only do so in a state of deep meditation. And they can converse with you. But the no returners are in a near, unattainable, untouchable state. It's like they become one with the whole world and where they're at and whatever it is. And that's what they want to do. They don't explain that much. I really hope that comes out later on. Like, why is that? But it's sort of like, you know, you never want to really tell the legend of Cain. Right? You never want to know what Cain's favorite color is. The more you make your legends personable, the more they lose power in the mystique of what they could be. And that, and it's ruined for it. This is not ruined, but it's a little telling and it's a little scary. But it's cool to know <clears throat> your players do not start with a generation, quote unquote. Their blood doesn't determine their power level. Their potentiality is their spirituality. In other words, yes. if they follow their dharma, and they purify their means, and they operate with integrity and a sense of honor. I don't mean integrity and honor is something that can't be bad. Very often it's based on your dharma. But if you can follow that way of life, you can ascend and ascend and ascend, finding these truths and these tasks and, and get up there and be done. That's this book. And this book, I think, is good for that. I think it's great for that to establish that and give you a working idea of it. It's not easy, though. It, it has to be faced in there because I, th I think one of the things that the book also mentions, and not every way that a, a you know a game is run, so to speak, but to put it by comparison to Vampire, the author did a good job of putting in where you know the horror from Vampire ends up becoming what becomes of you, right? Um, trying to fight off the beast. This is you trying to get to find that enlightenment. However, that enlightenment is not easy. You know, it's hard enough, as I always mention, to play humanity. And when you start playing paths in Vampire, that's hard. Now, imagine you starting a game where all it is is a path and trying to stick to it. On top of that, you're running your own personal path. You're running with a click or a woo, as Bob has mentioned, who also may have different ideologies. What happens when that moral gripe comes where you're trying to save one person and each of you have a different philosophy about how to approach it? And someone decides to pull a trigger, but it, it, it goes up against yours. Does it become an affront to you? Is it not an affront? How do you reconcile certain differences? How do you work with other players? How do you go on with life uh, to make those decisions happen? And it just gets hard that way. It's interesting, but it definitely is a hard thing. And the thing that you're going to find the most different is that this book is definitely black and white. There's definitely a way to do something and not to do something. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they give you those guidelines. That's what's cool. You're free to thwart those guidelines. It's your game. And they're super big on telling you that. I actually do appreciate that. They're like, don't use any of this. Change it completely. Just use the rules and move on. Like, whatever. But the point is that this is the way we see it being. And I agree with them. Their view, I actually like. I do enjoy it in how it is. The only exception I want to state is that I do enjoy the Thousand Hells book. And that exists for me because I think that book was well done. I liked a lot of what was in it. And I could see it easily being added here. Right updated with it. And right. uh, the, the old and what they used to be called to what they are now. It's very cool. This book doesn't say don't include it. I'm just saying I think it's complimentary. I think those two still work real well together. I want to uh -huh. say also that to close this out, what everybody's probably waiting on, what are the powers like? Oh, they, they're they amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they're amazing. They're just as broken. 
as the the old school Kindred of the Eastwood boys. They did it justice, and they put it to the V5 roll system. And you may think, didn't they truncate it and chop them down? Um, if you thought that made it more balanced, you're kind of out of your mind. Did it make it cooler? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It made it to where it was like, these are not vampires. Like, they might call them disciplines. These these are not. They're just on another level. Mm-hmm. They're on another level. But why? And the answer is, it's because they're demons. Like, I bring that up again. That's because if you want a name to give them that fits better, they are demons. They are not the demons you know. This is not Demon the Fallen. They're not the Christian demons that you know about. But maybe, just maybe, that it does make sense that the different religions of the world are men and women. Different cultures who are trying to interpret what these demons are and what this God entity is and why there's hells. And maybe the Yama Kings are not and maybe never were um, these super beings handpicked and selected. It's entirely possible that what they were was they were the first humans out and walking around that got corrupt. You know, maybe there was a great war. Who knows? Whatever you want to tie it together, I always like tying that together in my head. What makes sense is the region they're from this is what they became in all the way into the future here where we're at now we're trying to look in the wayback machine decide what their name means and where they're from and and how arrogant it is for you to think that there would be an easy title and a way of being to slap onto these entities but the simple matter is man always survives and it adapts and we have adapted to make the fact that they are real make sense to us and this is their version this is the eastern version of what these hungry ghosts are and what they refer to them as. So when you think of that and why I said it that way, now look at the powers as something that backs that up. You couldn't fathom what they actually are, but whatever they are, it's powerful and it comes from a very cursed place, somewhere that wasn't good. A lot of these powers just aren't right. There's artwork that showcases, I believe it's in one of the the God body metal portions. Right. Like by the way, the names are crazy. I'm not even trying to memorize them, but I'll give you give you an idea. This artwork showcases this entity wearing a kimono, but its shoulders and head on up are just a giant maw, and it, and it has hands that are gently touching it. Like, don't you like the way I look? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the, that's what it looks like. And I'm like, that is so horrific to even think about that. There's a power you have that does that, and there is. It's called maw. It's just called Ma. It's a form it could take. It's not the good guy, right? This is not a good guy. And it's, oh, man, I love that. Because when, when you think you're dealing with somebody that's just going to seduce you and hit you with presents, and that's the limit. They're just going to seduce you a bit, set you up in one of the many politics of it all. Imagine if somebody instead goes, I want to invite you over for dinner. And you're like, what do you mean? I, just that. Would you like to come over and eat? Sure, that's it. And you're going to give me $10 million? Yeah, the building. Sure, just come over for a meal. And then you come over. And as you're there for that meal, this person comes walking out in what appears to be a kimono. And right before your eyes, they go, well, just one more thing. I get one bite of what I have, whatever I want. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I knew this wasn't going to be easy. Don't worry, you won't feel a thing. But I get one bite. That one bite, when we're done, makes us even Steven. What do you mean? You get $10 million. Okay. And then they turn into that maw I described. 
And as you're sitting there peeing yourself in terror and can't move, they move forward and they bite down and your mind escapes and unravels for the moment. And then you wake up on the floor feeling less of yourself and somehow bonded, but they're sated, right? They ate all that terror that they welled up. They ate that essence of what you were, that breath that escaped you because they can do that as hungry ghosts and read this book to know more of your caught off guard mm-hmm. is how they can do that we reviewed kindred of the east i'm not bothering to go through the minutia of it we did deep dives on it you can find that on our patreon um but what i'm talking about here for this book they do tell you that they are not eating blood that's not all they do when they ascend there's many other things that get you with it it's a reminder mm-hmm. they can eat breath might be emotions they directly eat and what have you that's what they could do and in that scenario i'm describing that maybe it's terror that this person gets off on. But once they eat that from you and your will's impacted and they devour it and they feel yummy, they let you have your deal. But what you don't know is that by them having a taste of your essence, that bonds you to them somehow. And some horrible pact that, yes, that's now technically your building. They did give it to you. You do profit from it, but you manage it for them. And they want you to harvest a certain crop for them to come through and give the bite to Right, and that's that's just the way they mm. build their herd. I find that chilling, and that's that's certainly not a normal vampire thing that I would ever come across or ever would think to. And it's a nice, creative way to spend a different element of World of Darkness, in my opinion. I uh, that also uh, not only do I like what they've done with the disciplines, but I also to, to add on to it because I know we're coming to a close, especially the Dharmas. I like that there are divergent paths. Uh, enough to help people actually play to a certain degree where they wanted to go like uh, devil tigers one of them is you want to go ahead and and feel that your path to justice or like you giving ministrations to a certain person that's fine if you feel that the ministrations that should be dealt are not only to a specific person but to yourself as well that's also an option and it gives you the opportunity to live those paths out um, some of them are a lot harder than others and like the the what is it the thousand whispers that is just bonkers insane to play but, you know, that caught my attention. And so what I'm going to say is that, folks, check this book out. Like, we, we said a lot here uh, over this hour here. Um, but one of the things I'm going to say is, is that uh, it's great that you hear it from us. It's another one to get it. Um, the book is not expensive. It's, uh, what was it, DJ? It's, it, pay what you want. Uh, suggested yeah. prices at the time is about 9 bucks and 46 cents, but it's a pay what you want. And to be honest, um, the, the Bob was saying we had our opinions about it definitely speaking I think the only thing I found as a real negative was definitely the beckoning there could have been things that we could have done better for it but it doesn't take away that if you're as creative as Bob and myself to figure out what we could do it's great and I paid the, the 946 for it I think it was worth the pickup definitely um, great job folks good book um, I think it's a great arsenal to add for V5 definitely and by the way it's better than some V5 books because it's succinct, understandable, and you know what? Not so much to, to, to rail against. It's a lot to go with the flow. So uh, thanks, folks, um, for tuning in, and we'll check you next time. Bye, folks. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.